You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, welcome into the Odds and Audible's podcast. I'm Matt Prem. Eric Scopel is with me as always on this Friday show. It's long-awaited. Uh, breaking down the schedule of the 2020 football season, making our predictions for each game, giving our thoughts on the schedule as a whole. And before we dive into this 2020 schedule, I want to remind Duck fans, if you're not a VIP subscriber to DuckTerritory.com, get in on the action now. Costs as low as $1 for your first month. After that, it goes to $9.95. And with that increase in price, you get for free, yes, I said for free, CBS All Access. It's their streaming platform. You get 10,000 live sports, TV shows, movies, all commercial free for free with your membership to DuckTerritory.com. So when your price from $1 to $9.95 kicks in, you then get a value of $9.99 per month kicked back to you with the CBS All Access streaming uh, kickback. So do that today if you haven't. Uh, well, if you haven't, why not? Well, you're missing out on all the news, all the scoop, all the fun of duck football, duck basketball, duck recruiting, and everything in between. So jump in on that now. Now, Eric, we put this podcast off uh, a couple times, and today we've had enough. We're doing the 2020 schedule. Finally, Matt. Finally, we're doing it. And uh it's going to be a fun podcast. I'm actually – I mean, I know we're a ways out from the season starting, but um, – I think like, what, seven months to be exact, but uh, it, it still feels like it's never too early to kind of take a look at this. And this schedule, like we've talked about on previous podcasts, when we've kind of hinted at it's doing this, um, it doesn't disappoint. There are some tough, tough games on this schedule. Um, and so I'm excited to kind of chat uh, about kind of what we both expect. Um, and it's, you know, it's an interesting Oregon team. I think a team that's very, very capable of winning a lot of games, but it's a schedule that could make it difficult to kind of accomplish some of those goals, in my opinion. 225 days away from Oregon football. <laughs> Here we go. you're not counting. I had not been, so thank you, Matt. <laughs> All right, so we're going to run through every game on this schedule. Uh, it starts off with a home game against the North Dakota State Bison, a team that feels like hasn't lost in four or five years of football. Um, my first take on, on this game, September 5th, don't have a TV time yet, don't have a start time yet. We don't have any of that for any of these games, but we do know dates. September 5th at Austin Stadium. My first thought about this game is why? Why are you playing this team? Why are, if, if you're going to go the FCS route, you need to be playing the weakest opponent you can find and you can schedule because these games, they only hurt you. Uh, if you don't win by 35 points, well, what's wrong with you? And if you win by 35, it's why didn't you win by more? Um, this is a team that's, that's a, that's a lower level than you by, you know, and North Dakota State, they are, in my opinion, the equivalent of, you know, a fringe top 25 group of five power team, and they're going to put up a fight. Now the question becomes, how long of a fight will it be? That's, that's, that, Oregon is the better team, no doubt about it. But your, your, your first game with a new quarterback with four new starters along the offensive line, your leader of your defense for the last four years is, has to be replaced, and this is the game that you open up with. Kind of scary. A little bit, a little bit of a scary game. I think Oregon wins. I have Oregon down for a win. I'm expecting a win, 
But I'm not confident in saying that Oregon's going to win this game by 35, 42 points like any other FCS game. Oh, no, no, not at all. I mean, the last time this program lost was November of 2017. They've won 37 straight games. It's the longest um, in Division One football, regardless of FCS or FBS. Um, they've won three consecutive FCS national championships. Um, and, you know, you even want to go back further than that. They were a team, a program that was losing once or twice a season at most for basically all of this last decade. Uh, I mean, this is the premier. This is the Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, whatever you want of FCS football. This is the one of the premier programs. And so I, we, you know, like what Matt just said, it's a puzzling game to schedule. I don't really see it doing you many favors um, because, it, I mean, I would imagine the selection committee will, when they're looking through this and trying to determine what this win means for Oregon, that this will be weighed a little bit more than a typical FCS opponent. I would hope significantly more weighed, but um, it's a weird one to schedule in terms of the game. Yeah, I don't think this one's lopsided at all. And if it is, and Oregon wins by 35, 42 points like you would see against most FCS teams, that's going to be a statement game for Oregon. To go out and beat a team that hasn't lost in almost four years by that many points, that would be absolute, That would be very impressive, especially with the debut of a new quarterback. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't think you can overlook the upside of a North Dakota State, of a program that just likes to – just doesn't lose football games, that is very, very competitive, that puts players into the NFL, obviously not at the same rate as Oregon, but they do. Um, so I have Oregon win this game. I think we both agree on that. I think it would be very disappointing to start with a loss. I don't think this game is lopsided at all. I think it's a one, maybe a two-score game. I think Oregon wins by, like, between six and maybe ten points, maybe 14 points. Um, but I think it's close throughout, and I think it's a game that really challenges Oregon, which probably isn't a bad thing considering who they play in week two. Yeah, who they play week two is going to be... Yeah, who is it again, Matt? Uh, it's Ohio State. Oh, yeah, them. Just those guys. They're, they're good, right? Uh, yeah, they're not bad. So, uh, <laughs> so I mean, this, this schedule is really tough. I mean, they go North Dakota. I mean, there was a time in, in mid-December before Ohio State lost to Clemson in the College World semifinal where it looked like Oregon might be playing both the FCS and the FBS national champions, um, in the first two weeks of the season. And that sort of speaks to the schedule they put together here um, because Ohio State is – they're one of the blue bloods. They're one of the big boys. And I think that's a game that – I mean, let's put it this way, Matt. Can, can you think of a game at Austin Stadium that Oregon has hosted a program this good, like, in a very long time? It's been ages since they've had – I guess Oklahoma um, in that, that, that game where Oregon wins off of a potentially questionable onside kick call. Um, but I can't think of many times Autzen Stadium's hosted a team like Ohio State. It's been a very long time. Yeah. It, it, Michigan State, I guess. Michigan this State. This feels, this, yeah. Ohio State's so much better of a program than, uh, Michigan State is. Um, right. This feels like outside of Michigan and Oklahoma, this, I mean, even with those teams, this feels like this is the game the biggest game ever played at Austin Stadium from a non-conference perspective because yep. Oregon's going to be a top 10 team. Ohio State could be the number one team in the country. They're that good. They bring back everybody or they bring back a lot of these guys. Um, this is going to be a barn burner. This is going to be a great game. One of the best games, maybe the best game of the year 
to be honest with you, from a, from a non-conference perspective. And it's going to be a huge barometer test to see where this Oregon football program is at in year three of the Mario Crystal Ball era because Ryan Day, the head coach, he's got Justin Fields back as starting quarterback. He's got some starters back. Offensive linemen are back. Yes, they lose uh, Chase Young. Yes, they lose their starting their star running back. But and and J.K. Dobbins went pro. Um, but this is a guy that, that in terms of Ryan Day, he's going to have Ohio. They are by far one of the most talented teams on paper in college football across the board. And this is going to be one hell of a test. And if I think if Oregon comes out of that game unscathed with a victory, we're talking Oregon being a title contender. They're, that's how high and how good Ohio State is, where I don't care if it's by one point or if it's by 20 points. If Oregon wins, uh, they will be, they will then become title, you know, one of the, the two or three favorites to win the title because that's how good Ohio State is. I think if this team had a quarterback back, or if they had an offensive line back, I would feel more comfortable with picking Oregon, even though it's at home. Yeah. I don't know if Oregon's going to get blown out. I don't think they will. I think it'll be a close game. I think Oregon will have their chances in the fourth quarter to win the game. We're not making score predictions, but I do think Oregon loses this one in a very close battle. So I have Oregon starting out one-on-one on the season. I'm with you. I think it's a lot to ask for Oregon with a new quarterback with having to replace basically all of its offensive line, even though the one player that does come back is the best offensive lineman in the country. Um, with, with, with questions of your, have a new system you're, you're working out here with Joe Moorhead and, um, maybe, maybe some of the familiarity with Moorhead's time at Penn State playing Ohio State. Maybe there's some stuff he can learn there. I mean, that's a kind of a card up Oregon sleeve just because of, some familiarity from coaching the same conference um, earlier, you know, a handful of years ago. But I, I'm with you for a lot of those reasons. Ohio State's very, very talented, um, and Oregon has, to me, a very talented roster as well. But they they need to prove themselves in a couple of areas. And Ohio State's going to reload. You know, they might lose J.K. Dobbins, they might lose Chase Young, they might lose a handful of other players that were starters or key contributors. But from a talent perspective, from a recruiting perspective, they're at right at the top nationally every single year, and this year will be no different. So um, it would be a monumental task for Oregon to pull this off if they do. If they start out 2-0, and you are looking like a, you're looking at a team that might be number one in the country at that point. If they beat North Dakota State and Ohio State, from a pure resume perspective, they would be undoubtedly the most impressive two-game start to the season if they win both those games. I'm just, like you, kind of hesitant to go that far and say I think they're going to win that game. I think it would take an awful lot to get that done. Just from a talent perspective, in 2019, Ohio State was second in the country uh, from a talent composite ranking on paper. They had 13 five-stars, 47 four-star recruits, 25 three-star school, uh, players. The only school better than them in this ranking system was Alabama. Um, Oregon, 17th. They had one three... Five star, thirty-one four stars, and fifty-one five star or three star recruits. So that just gives you a little bit of a perspective of where these two teams are at. Now, week three, September nineteenth, the third straight game 
uh, at Oxen Stadium against the Hawaii Rainbows. Uh, Nick Rolovich is gone uh, as head coach. He is now at Washington State. The run and shoot will carry with him there. Um, the Rainbows just hired Todd Graham as head coach uh, to be their new head coach uh, to replace Rolovich. They won 10 games last season. They played 15 and yet didn't somehow make the college football playoff, which is crazy, uh, to play 15 games and not do that. Uh, they went 10 and 5. They lose their starting quarterback, but they have, they have a good solid amount of talent coming back next season. Um, this is another one of those games for me where it's why did you schedule this with Ohio State, with North Dakota State? I think Ohio, I think Hawaii is dangerous. I think Oregon is by far the better team. I think Oregon should win this game by, by four scores, but it's going to be a difficult four score victory in my opinion. Uh, and one in which you just played a gauntlet of a game the, the following week or the previous week against Ohio State. This is one where I think this is where the Portland State should be at. This is where the FCS, you know, bottom of the barrel squad should be played just before conference play and yet Look, there's no doubt about it. This team is going to be battle tested going into conference play. I have them going into conference play two and one because they beat Hawaii. Same here. I'm with you. I think they beat Hawaii. Uh, I, the only thing I can say about the schedule is at least they didn't schedule the game in Hawaii because yes. that, that that's not gone well the last couple of years for Pac-12 teams going out there. Um, that would have been the only way to compound matters and make it worse. But uh yeah, I think Oregon wins this game in part because a loss here would be really devastating. Um, you know, and I just don't see there's too many experienced players in this team that I could that to, for me to see them losing this one. Um, I think I think you're going to come out of conference non-conference play being like like you just said, like holy cow, this team has been through some stuff, and you're it's only still September, and you're kind of going like, man, they've already played three really, really good teams and been challenged. And I think that sets them up really well for the conference run and, and for getting all that sorted out. But I do think you potentially run, and I'm, I'm with you. I'm going two and one in non-conference play. Oregon could be Oregon could be one and two going into conference play. I don't think that's that crazy of a thing to say. Um, North Dakota State hasn't lost in 37 games, and Hawaii is a very proud program, even though they're under new leadership. And, um, you know, Todd Graham – had his moments at Arizona State where they were pretty darn competitive and challenged Oregon and, and won the division, I think, one time and played in the Pac-12 championship game under him. Um, so you can't totally overlook him. But I, I think ultimately Oregon gets by Hawaii, and they do uh, look back at con- non-conference play going like, man, that was a heck of a challenge, but at least they won two out of three games. All right, now Oregon opens up their Pac-12 schedule on the road uh, at Colorado in Boulder at Folsom Field. Kind of excited for this one because I don't think you or I have ever been here. No. I know I haven't. I don't believe you've ever been here either. So kind of the first time to, to see Folsom Field, first time to see Boulder. Um, really cool environment, so we've heard. So I'm excited to see this. Um, Tucker, the head coach uh, at Colorado, is building a program, the same kind of approach that Mario Cristobal has. And be curious to see what – uh, the buffs look like in year two under him. Um, what kind of growth do we see there? They do have to replace some quarterback. They do lose uh, LaVisca Chenault at receiver. Um, they're going to have some holes to fill. I just think Oregon, from a from a talent perspective, 
is the superior team, even though they've got a new quarterback. It will be interesting, though, to see how does Oregon handle this is their first game away from home. Yes, they've played tough teams, right. but this is the first time where the fans are not rooting for them and instead are yelling at them when they have the football. New quarterback, four, four offensive linemen. How do they handle the communication? How do they handle the rigors of a road game for the first time as a unit together? I have them winning, but it's, I think it's going to be a little bit, Oregon, Oregon probably would be like, a three score, four score favorite, I think, uh, in this game, considering both teams' losses and whatnot. But I think with the fact that Oregon has so many new pieces to replace and this is their first home game, it wouldn't surprise me if this is like a, a, a two score win or, you know, maybe like a, a 15 or a 16 uh, point win for Oregon. You know, and I was just looking at what Colorado did last year at home at Folsom Field. I know they're, it is a different team. They lose to LaVisca Chenault. They lose Stephen Montez, who's been the quarterback there for a while. So they've got some question marks there. But they played six games at home last year. It was They had a overtime win over Nebraska, who was ranked at the time. They had an overtime loss to Air Force. Then, But they, they, they then won a big game um, against Arizona State. They lost to USC. They beat Stanford and Washington at home in November. Um, they were pretty darn competitive in games played at Folsom Field last year. None of the games they were blown out. So um, I know it's a different team. I know it's a different roster. Like I said, they're going to have to make some. They have to find some real answers at quarterback and receiver with what they lose there. But I wouldn't sleep on Colorado being fairly competitive in this game. I'm with you. I think Oregon wins. I probably somewhere on the same margin of, of probably a two score game, um, but. I wouldn't, and that's not a game you can really sleep on either. And, and the, you know, I think you look at the way this non-conference play starts, and then you go, oh, they go to Colorado, who was, you know, not bowl eligible last year, was pretty bad after a strong start. But I look at it and say, like, that's going to be probably a fairly competitive game, in part because it's on the road, but also because Colorado just didn't get beaten very badly at home last year. They played all those games really close, won a couple of games against good teams, especially wins over Stanford and Washington um, at the end of the season. So, uh, yeah, I, I think Oregon wins. I think they win by a couple scores, but I don't think that's a game you can look at and be like, that's a, that's a, a blowout win where it's going to be 45 to 3 like it was at Ots in this last year. I mean, it could. It wouldn't, I mean, it, it wouldn't it surprise could. me. I mean, I, that's probably where it should go, but with everything that Oregon has to replace and the first, the fact that this is the first road game of the year, it's in Boulder, which can be difficult to play in. Um, you just have to account and be prepared for some unexpected, some things that you don't anticipate. And they should beat them by four scores, but it wouldn't, like you said, for both of us, it wouldn't surprise either of us if this game was actually closer than uh, maybe that would indicate. Now, Oregon heads home for their first conference game after that of the 2020 football season. That's a big one. Early October game. Uh, against the Washington Huskies, this is a, a game in which Washington will have a bye beforehand. That's pretty important to note, um, considering the fact that Oregon is going to be playing North Dakota State and then Ohio State and then Hawaii and then at Colorado. Uh, Washington gets a little bit of an extra week of prep for this game. First battle between Jimmy Lake as head coach and Mario Cristobal as head coach. New offensive coordinator. I think Oregon's talent is better on paper right now than what the Washington Huskies have. They bring back more, I think, than what the Washington Huskies bring back. Uh, I'm going to pick Oregon 
But I think this is going to be another one of those games similar to 2018, in which this was a game in which both teams led. Um, I think that plays out this way. I think both teams have an opportunity in the fourth quarter to kind of put the other one away. But first, my first impression, we're going to get another good battle between Washington and Oregon. Oregon will come out because this game's at home. Yeah, I think we get a third straight really close game. Um, you think back to 2018, Oregon winning in overtime. You think back to last year, Oregon winning by a couple of points in Seattle. Um, I think this one follows a similar script. Both teams have a lot of question marks in terms of what the roster looks like, especially offensively. Washington loses Eason. They lose Ackmant. They lose uh, Hunter Bryant. They lose a couple of other players on the offensive line. Actually, I think they lose three out of five starters on the offensive line. Defense should be pretty similar. They do lose a couple players there. But um, I like Oregon in this game, but I think it's going to be very, very close because this I, I think it's become a really fun rivalry here these last couple of years where there's so much on the line when these teams meet. Um, I think these are probably going to be the preseason favorites in the Pac-12 North. I think they'll call into that discussion as well, and we'll get to them in a second. But um, I, I have Oregon winning. I think it's going to be a really competitive game. And it's been, it's fun to see this rivalry where it is now where you go into each meeting knowing how much it means for the conference race, possible Rose Bowl, big postseason uh, games. But also just because these teams really don't like each other, these programs' fan bases don't like each other, and at least the games now are really competitive and can reflect that because for the majority of both of our lives, it was either Washington was really dominant or Oregon was really dominant. This is kind of the first time in a really long time that um, they've been kind of on even footing almost and, and, and battling like they have the last couple of years. After the Washington game, Oregon gets a bye week, and it's probably much much needed at that point, and we'll deservedly uh, earned for Oregon as well, considering the things that they had to play the first five weeks of the season. I think you and I both have Oregon currently at 4-1 and one going into their bye week, and then coming off the bye week, they go to a Saturday, October 17th game at California at Cal Memorial Stadium. And I don't know about you, but Cal went eight and five last season. And I think that record could have been a lot better if Chase Garbers doesn't go down with an injury at quarterback. They went seven and one that last in 2019 on games that he played start to finish. Their lone loss being against USC in his first game back in over a month's time from an injury. 15 starters are back next season, 10 on offense. Cal always plays what feels like elite defense under head coach Justin Wilcox, even though they lose Evan Weaver. I think they'll have another really stout defensive unit in 2020. And I think next season they'll have a chance at nine wins for the first time since the 2008 season. I said earlier this month that Hawaii was kind of the trap game for Oregon. I'm starting to think this is the trap game because it's on the road, coming off a bye, coming off an emotional game, and you're playing a team that's going to be loaded offensively against a team that knows how to play defense and a coach that gets the maximum production out of every single player he has on his roster. This is going to be one hell of a game, uh, especially being on the fact that it's on the road. I have Oregon winning, but I think this is going to be a very tight game. I actually go the other way here. I have this being loss number two on the season for Oregon. Um, you ran through all the numbers with how different Cal was with Garbers as opposed to when he was out with injury. They were a different team. They were honestly one of the few teams that, if you watched the bowl games, actually performed 
at least admirably or, or better from the Pac-12. I thought they showed a little bit there that kind of showed what they have. And there's a lot of momentum right now with that program. I know the recruiting numbers aren't anywhere what Oregon has or Washington has or even Arizona State at this point. But from a what they've done on the field the last couple of seasons, they've been pretty darn competitive. And they've been really competitive um, you know, week in and week out. And you even think about this year's game with Gar- with when Cal didn't have Garbers, they led, I think, Oregon at halftime. Um, they led 7-0 seven, seven to zero at half. Oregon ends up scoring 17 points in the second half to win at Austin. But um, I, I think Cal's a tough game, and that's a tough team. And like I said, I think going into Pac-12 season, um, I'm guessing Oregon's going to be picked number one in the conference. But I think it's between Cal and Washington for who's going to be second. And I wouldn't be shocked at all if, if Cal nudges Washington and is the second-ranked team in the Pac-12 North um, preseason uh, when the coaches vote, or you know when everybody votes on that media votes on that I think in August um, I wouldn't be surprised by that at all so um, I think this is I think this is a very challenging game and I, th- I think again I think this is loss number two on the season for Oregon I think it's a lot to ask to go uh, on the road and, and beat this Cal team which again I think is going to be very very talented and competitive. Interesting that you pick uh, that being the game that that they lose. Um, I certainly think it's out there. It's it's a good mm-hmm. pick. It's one. That's going to be a potential loss for Oregon to navigate. All right, let's take a quick break. You're listening to the Odds and Audibles podcast. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, welcome back to the Austin Audible's podcast. Matt Bramer, Scopel here on the show like we always do every Friday. Um, we're breaking down the 2020 schedule, kind of going through each game, giving some early opinions, some early uh Picks on who wins. Not going through scores. It's too difficult to do that right now. And who cares, honestly? It's so far out um, <laughs> from a score perspective. Uh, but let's let's continue the this the schedule. We've run through the first six games of the year. We've got six more. September twenty or October twenty fourth. Excuse me. At home at Austin Stadium, the Ducks take on the Stanford Cardinal. Look, I don't even know what to make of Stanford right now. Like. It feels like everyone that didn't graduate is in the transfer portal. Um, they've gotten a couple guys who had NFL draft aspirations to come back for their senior seasons. Um, Paulson Adebo being the primary one at cornerback. But this team was bad last season. They've got so many guys in the portal. They didn't really recruit at an elite level, in my opinion, at home. I, I just can't pick against Oregon. I think I think I actually think this could turn into a blowout. This is to this point in the season, and if you've listened, I think all of those first games will be pretty competitive. I think maybe Colorado and Hawaii have the chance to be 
big Oregon wins. I think the Stanford game will be the most lopsided win to that point in the season. I think they're going to win by at least 28 points. Um, Stanford's kind of a, a mess right now for the reasons you just said. There's so many guys in the portal. Um, they lose a lot of talented players. They were not good last year. the worst year they've had in over a decade, I think. Um, I, I think the Stanford program could be kind of headed in a weird direction. And I wouldn't be shocked if they entered that game with Oregon with a, with a losing record, with not a very impressive record. Maybe they're 500. Um, but I think it's at home. Oregon is going to have a lot of a lot of reasons to be motivated based upon games with Stanford in the past, but also the fact that I have them coming off a loss against Cal. And I think you see Oregon play mad here, and you look at the way the schedule plays out, the rest of the, the back end of the schedule. I could see Oregon winning some games by a lot of points, and I think this is the first one where they really put it on somebody. And, I, again, I think they beat Stanford by 28, 35 points, and I think it's a really impressive win and a bounce-back win for Oregon. Wow. that's You're thinking that high? That's pretty impressive. That's that's really darn impressive to think. I mean, look, it, it could very well happen because, like I said, they, if you didn't graduate, you're in the transfer portal if you play at Stanford right now. It's like, <laughs> that's basically the rule right now. <laughs> um, next game on the schedule. All right, this is freaky. Uh, this is a game on Halloween in Tucson against oh, no. the Arizona Wildcats. Uh, I feel like this happened two years ago. These two teams met right around this date. Um not sure what to make of of Kevin Sumlin year three uh, for the Arizona Wildcats. They do lose Khalil Tate, but I do think uh, their quarterback room gets a little bit better because of the guys that they have coming back and clarity of who and, and how they're going to play that position. Um, that being said, Oregon is the better team. They have the better depth. They have the better overall talent. But I think, well, much like the theme for Oregon on the road this season, difficult waters to navigate on the road. Oregon wins, but I think this game is going to be closer than it should be because for whatever reason, under Oregon, the last four or five years, they just haven't played really well away from home. Um, and even though they kind of exercised some of those demons this season, I, in 2019, I think in 2020, it's 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 hard to win on the road in general, and I think this season in 2020 in particular, it's going to be difficult with so many new faces early on. But with a game at Colorado, with a game at Cal already under their books, a game at home, granted against Ohio State, I think that they get the win against Arizona, but it'll be closer than it, than it should be. I just looked it up. The big loss at Arizona a couple of years ago was October 27th, so the same week as Halloween, but not quite. Um, a Halloween game. Um, I had when I was making these picks, I hadn't recognized it was a Halloween game, and now that gives me pause there. But I still have Oregon winning um, for a lot of the reasons you do. I think Oregon's the better team. I think for as much as Arizona kind of had an offensive identity crisis last year, it seemed like they didn't know if they wanted to, you know, employ a run-first quarterback offense with Khalil Tate, or if they wanted to really air it out with Grant Gunnell. And I think we saw the back end of the season they kind of went the latter with a younger guy. Um, I think their offense will be better, but I don't think they'll be that much better. And they also lose J.J. Taylor. I think he went pro. Um, so there's there's some players that have to replace there for sure. So I have Oregon winning. I don't think it's quite as lopsided as the win over Stanford the previous week, but I do think this is a game they win by a couple touchdowns. Next game on the schedule is a big one at home, Saturday, November 7th. Feels like conference is kind of setting themselves up for kind of one of those Alabama-LSU battles. This Probably will be the Pac-12 South champion favorite. 
Uh, Oregon will probably be the Pac-12 North champion favorite. The USC Trojans come to town Saturday, November 7th at Austin Stadium. This is always a big game for a lot of guys on this team because that's home for them. That's the, that's the hometown team. It's also the team that carries historically, at least not lately, but historically the most cachet in the conference, the USC Trojans. Uh, I think Oregon is the better program. They have the better coach. They have the better coaching staff. They have the better depth, but all that being said, USC still is one of the most talented teams in the country, and if they ever get to the point where they play at a high level consistently, they are one of the best teams in the country. I think we're going to get a really good game. I don't have Oregon losing, but I think they're going to have to come. They're going to. This is going to be one of Oregon's toughest games of the schedule. They're going to win a close one at home, uh, and and that puts Oregon in position for now where we can talk college football playoff berth uh, because they will be 8-1 and one with their own loss being to the Ohio State Buckeyes, and they just beat the USC Trojans. I do have Oregon losing here. So I have Ooh. Oregon I have Oregon being with three losses going into the last two weeks of conference play. Um, I, I think this is a – we talked about our big trap games in the season. To me, this was my pick. USC – very talented, very, very talented team. Everybody knows that. Also the revenge factor here of what happened last year. Um, and I just think the rivalry here, we've kind of seen these teams sort of switch off being the more dominant program. And I think given what Oregon has lost and just given some of the momentum, I know momentum is a weird word with USC because they just, they just have had a, a very tumultuous last four months, but they're going to have – a lot of talented players on offense. Their defense will be more healthy than it was this year. Remember when Oregon played them, they were without three or four defensive starters. They, I would imagine they'll be more healthy. Maybe they won't be, and if they're they're dinged up again, that could be a big thing. But um, I, I think Oregon loses a very close game to USC, um, a game that sets up USC to win the Pac-12 South and challenges, you know, kind of puts Oregon in maybe a challenging situation to win the Pac-12 North because they would be four and two at this point in Pac-12 play in you know in conference. Um, but as you know, they've got three games after this. We'll talk about what I think is going to happen in those games. But uh, I think they'll they'll kind of right the ship. But I do think this is a, a loss that frustrates Oregon fans. It's a home loss. Um, their second of the regular season. All right, next game, Friday night game. This game sucks just in general. <laughs> uh, Arizona State on a Friday night at home. Second straight home game for Oregon in the conference. It's also senior day. Like, how crappy is that? Your senior day is a Friday night game, and it's not even the middle of November yet. Like, that just sucks. Where, I mean, it, it, it has nothing to do with ASU. It's just the whole dynamic of this game is just, it's off. It's a short week. It's a Friday night game in November. And on top of that, it's senior day. Like, just weirdness to me. Um, I think Oregon wins on a short week, but I think this is one of those games where they have a huge emotional letdown. It, it's ugly. You factor in the fact that it's senior day and guys are pretty emotional. Um, Oregon wins this one. They improved to nine and one on the year for me, but it's not going to be pretty. Yeah, I've been winning this game. Um, similar to the Stanford game earlier that we talked about where I thought coming off a loss, I expected they would win pretty dominantly. I think we see something similar here uh, in Oregon, Arizona State. I don't know if it's 28 points, but I think it's a pretty definitive win for Oregon. I think last year's game 
in Tempe obviously meant so much. And I think this team, especially these defensive backs that all came back wanting to prove some things, they were beaten pretty bad in this game. You know, Lenore gave up a touchdown. I think Graham gave up a touchdown. Holland made some errors as well out there in coverage. I think this is a game where you, where you see Oregon kind of flex its muscle a little bit and beat up on the Sun, the Sun Devils, who I think will be kind of in a neck and neck battle with USC is my guess at this point in the season to win the conference. I think Oregon maybe gets a little bit of revenge because it might be a game that knocks Arizona State out of the Pac-12 South Conference uh, championship run. All right, let's proceed now to the last two games of the regular season. I said this last year when we did the you know way too early predictions for each game. I said Oregon was going to lose at Arizona State second to last game of the year. I have Oregon on the road. I have Oregon losing again the second last second to last game of the year on the road. This time at Washington State. I don't know what it is, man. Pullman is a house of horrors for any team that's an Oregon athletic program that's ranked in the top 10. And I think Oregon will be a top 10 team. They go into Pullman and it this this football team has given the Ducks fits the last 5 years. They needed an, you know, a comeback victory field goal kick in the last second of the game this past season in 2019 at home to be a, a I felt like a, a decent Washington State squad. It wasn't their best squad the last couple of seasons. Nick Rolovich is going to be the head coach now for the Cougars. Uh, the run and shoot, I still think they're going to give the Ducks fits. Playing in Pullman in late November is scary, especially if this is a night game. I don't know if this this is not senior day for, for Washington State, but nonetheless, I have Oregon State dropping another late November game, and for the second year in a row, they get burned by playing an elite team in the non-conference instead of playing a cupcake and getting a win and get knocked out of the playoff hunt and sit at 9-2 and two going into the final week of the regular season. Oh, this narrative is working out very well for Matt and his and his push for Oregon to schedule a little bit easier. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm with you, and that game's going to be challenging. I, I think for me, um, there's just so many un, unknowns with Washington State. Um, there was a level of kind of confidence you had in the Cougars under Mike Leach of like, they're, they might not be the most talented team. They might, this might not be his best team, but the matchups are just going to be horrendous for anyone they face. And it's always going to be a tough game, regardless of the talent disparity. Um, I'm not quite there yet with Rolovich. I know he was really good at Hawaii, had some really strong seasons there. I don't necessarily have the same confidence that he'll have them, them ready. And I don't know what their record is going to be at the end of the season or what they're going to be playing for, if not to just piss off Oregon and, and beat a rival. So I have Oregon winning. I don't think it's going to be a blowout. Having been in Pullman um, the last time Oregon went up there, um, that's a tough place to play. It's a The stadium is built basically to be really, really hard to hear what's going on. Um, you know, I, I think it's right on top of you. The fans are very vocal. Um, it is not an easy place to play with a young quarterback. That could be a challenge, but I like Oregon to win this game. I think it's going to be a gutty win um, to keep kind of Oregon afloat in the Pac-12 North Conference uh, Division Championship race. Last game of the year is the Civil War. This year it's going to be played in Corvallis. Um, I think Oregon State's going to take significant steps forward in Jonathan Smith's third year as head coach. I think the Beavers will be it, probably playing in a bowl game in 2020. I don't think it includes a victory over Oregon to get there, though. 
I think Oregon is the better football team. I think the gap is still going to be pretty wide between these two squads. Doesn't mean Oregon State's going to – it doesn't mean they're not making progress because they will. I think they will make good progress uh, in Corvallis in year three for Jonathan Smith. But I'm looking at this game and I'm thinking Oregon's going to win. It's probably going to be a two-score, maybe a three-score win for, for the Ducks in the Civil War. They finished the regular season 10-2. and two. They have an 8-1 and one record in conference play. They win the Pac-12 North and will represent that division in the Pac-12 championship game. I think Oregon wins. I think they beat Oregon State. I do think we're going to start to see this, this rivalry be a lot more competitive. I don't think it's anywhere near as close as the Oregon-Washington rivalry right now where that game seems to be, you know, annually determined by less than a touchdown or, you know, one-score games. I don't think Oregon State's quite ready to challenge Oregon like that. I do think this game will be competitive. Oregon State has a lot of question marks, though. They, they did lose a lot. Um, That's true. You, you know, they lost Jake Luton, who Oregon didn't even face. I guess Oregon got a glimpse of who's likely to be their quarterback, although there will be an open competition. Um, they lose Hodgins. They lose... Um, a couple of offensive linemen. They lose, I think one of, I think they lose Art Pierce. I think he was a senior, so he's gone. Um, they still have Jefferson back, but, um, I, I look at Oregon State and I think, I agree. I think they're going to be better. I think they're going to win six to seven games. I think they will be in a bowl game, which is good for them. That's, you know, I don't know if you looked at where they were three or four years ago and thought that that was something that seemed doable within the next, you know, half decade, but I think they're going to do it. But I think Oregon's better and I think they win. I think they're nine and three. I think the conference does cannibalize itself a little bit, and despite losing to Cal, I think Cal has a worse record than Oregon at this point. And I think at nine and three, seven and two in the Pac-12, that's enough for Oregon to reach the Pac-12 championship game for a second consecutive year. All right, so we both have Oregon making the, the Pac-12 championship game. I think you have what Oregon at nine and three. I have Oregon yeah. at ten and two. Correct. Does Oregon win the Pac-12 in 2020 in your eyes? I think so. I think they play USC in the conference championship game. I think they're motivated based upon the fact that they lost the game at Otson. And I think they come out and they win. And I think they might win this one pretty definitively. I think that's something we've seen under Cristobal now is in some of these big games, they show up and they show up in a major way. And I think with all the motivation, with the team kind of maybe rounding into form, I think the offense might take make take hits lumps at times this season, may take a time to get kind of rocking, but I think they get there and by the time they meet at December fourth, um, I think that's gonna be an Oregon win and it sets them up to be in another Rose Bowl. So I have Oregon also winning the Pac twelve. I think they're the best team in the league again. Um I, I have Oregon winning the game, obviously. I don't know really know who they're gonna play, but I think they're by far the better team of every school in this conference. Um that would put them at 11 and 2. I don't think they make the college football playoff. So I'm with you in that. I believe, uh, I can't remember if the 2020 playoffs, or yeah, the 2020 playoffs has the Rose Bowl. I think it does. Um, so that would put Oregon in the, uh, Fiesta Bowl more than likely for college football, but they represent the Pac-12. In the, in the college football playoff again and, or in, in the conference championship game, which would either be the Rose Bowl or the Fiesta Bowl, more than likely. Uh, Oregon wins their second straight conference championship and sets up the stage, I think, for a year in which 2021 could be that year where even though they're going to lose some guys defensively and this is way down the rabbit hole, but 
this is why it's important for Oregon to win in 2020. They're going to be set up if they have a big year to be a, a top one, two, or three team in the country in 2021 if they can navigate the waters of 2020 and have another year in which they win the conference. One quick thought, and I agree with you in terms of I think 2021 is the year to look at in terms of this team being ready. I know they'll lose some seniors in 2020 that are going to be key players, but a lot of what will make this team either really good or or not will be dependent upon some of the younger guys that will definitely be on that 2021 roster. Just real quick here, so let's let's use your hypothetical scenario because it would kind of create an, a discussion on the college football playoff. If Oregon is, like you said, I think, what, 11-2 and two after winning the Pac-12 championship game, and their losses are to Washington State on the road and Ohio State at home, let's just say Ohio State's undefeated again and they, they run the table. Don't you think Oregon would have a pretty compelling argument if, let's say, it's a similar scenario where it's either a second SEC team, again, like a Georgia, or it's a one-loss or a Big 12 team that has a similar resume with Oregon, it would be, I think it would be very interesting to see how the committee would handle Oregon if you go, hey, at least they, they scheduled some really tough teams here. Their one loss is to the number one or two ranked team in the country in non-conference play. If you remove that game, what they did the rest of the season was in line with or better than what Oklahoma did this year, or let's say it's Texas or whoever it is from the Big 12 or Georgia or Auburn. I just think that would be an interesting discussion that they'd have, but we also haven't seen a team with two losses, I think, make the playoff outside of maybe was it Ohio State one year? I forget if that's happened or not. I just, I think we already had that conversation this year. Yeah. Like, if they're not going to do it this year in which the manner in which Oregon led that football game for 59 minutes and, and lost and it, didn't it, the, the committee looked at it and said, you lost. Sorry. You have two losses. You're no longer in the college football playoff. Like, I just don't think that there's a value in, if you're going to lose a conference game, or if you're going to play a non-conference game like Ohio State in 2020, you either need to win that so that you have the one loss buffer during the conference play, or if you lose it, you have to go undefeated the rest of the way. Because if you drop one game, you're out. They haven't put a team with two losses in, and and unless that second loss, I mean, maybe if if it's like on the road, and let's just say for argument's sake, Washington State goes ten and two, right? And and they lose two conference games, and they finish the season ranked sixth in the country or seventh in the country for whatever reason. And that's one of the games, one of the, and Oregon loses to Ohio State at home, who's number one undefeated, and they lose to Washington State, who's a top ten team on the road by three points. Maybe at the slimmest of margins, I could see the, the committee saying, they lost to two of the best two teams in the country, they beat everybody else, let's put them in. But even then, it's kind of like, well, we just seen you play against two other elite teams and you lost both of those games. Why should we reward you with the third game type of a deal? I mean, I just, I just think the current construction of the playoff being four teams, if you have two losses, you're not getting in. And that's why I think the league either needs to move away from playing non-conference games and play eight, or you just have to stop scheduling these games because it forces you to have to be perfect the rest of the way if you lose. And we know how hard that is in college football 
to go undefeated. Oregon's done it once. Yeah. No, no, you're not wrong. I, I just think it's interesting to talk about because if, if in a scenario Ohio State is is the number one team in the country, how much would you fault Oregon? But I think you're right in terms of the logic right now and what we've seen historically. And I know it's not a massive sample size, but it's enough of a sample size to, to draw some conclusions. Two lost teams just don't get in. Um, unless there's total pandemonium and, and, and insanity and there's a bunch of two lost teams and it's who's the best two lost team. So, um, a lot to think about there, but I do think it's a tough schedule and one that for me at least, it looks, it looks almost too daunting of a schedule to see Oregon making the playoff in 2020. Yeah, I mean, I if I think if you get to ten wins, that's a really good year for you. For for a twenty twenty season, knowing all the guys that you lost, everyone that's available, you know, that you have to play. If Oregon gets the, the ten wins on the year before the before the bowl game, that's a huge year. That's a good that's a good push. That means you've you've won ten ten or more games for three for two years in a row. Um I, I, I would, I would be, I would think internally you'd be pretty ecstatic if, if you go 11 and 2 or 10 and 3, uh, you, you win your conference, you win your division, and you're playing in another New Year's Six Bowl and back to back. That's, that's what you want to see. That's progress being made, even though maybe by definition they would have one, you know, or two more extra losses on the, on the schedule. All right, that's going to do it for us here on the Odds and Audibles podcast. I'm Matt Prem. Thank you for listening. As always, Eric Scopel is with me. We'll talk to you soon. Adios, amigos. CBS Tonight, TV's hottest show is Fire Country. I'm not a hero. I'm in orange for a reason. They're taking 12 months off your sentence. You're free. Lady. With a special epic season finale. Now that I'm out, I need something to get me up in the morning. You are a firefighter. You speak. That will be unforgettable. In the name of your life's happiness, go get your girl. She's getting married tomorrow. It says, will you let anything get in the way of what you want? The Fire Country season finale tonight, 9, 8 central on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.